Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mehrban Iranshad. Hello to you. This is Mehrban. I hope you're having a great day. And we're back with another Q&A episode. We did a similar format on episode 187 where we analyzed uh, around eight questions from the audience that I've got out of many hundreds of questions. And I thought it was a lot of fun and we got some nice feedback from it. So I thought it would be a good time to bring back this format once again before we launch into some interviews that I have lined up for you all, uh, which I think you'll really enjoy. So uh, yeah, let's just launch right into it. So this first question is pretty long, so I might abbreviate it a bit, but this is from Ed, a 4.5 tennis player. And Ed said, I'm 42. I played tennis on and off when I was younger and took it back up again seriously about five years ago. I've been playing a lot lately and I've gotten to a 4.5 slash 5.0 level. However, I feel like I've been stuck at this level for about six months. My question is, how can an amateur get to a higher level? It seems like I would need to dedicate a lot of time on the court and I can't seem to find a good quality coach around the area. So what should I do? Thanks. So Ed, that's a great question. I think we're all looking to level up our games and reach the next level here if we're listening to the show, uh, at least for the most part. But first off, I just want to tell you that people are stuck uh, for years or even decades at a particular level because I noticed you said that you've been at this 4.0 or 4.5 slash 5.0 level for six months. So, uh, and it can take some time for players to settle into a new level. I mean, it, it took me a, a little bit of time when I was playing 5.0 leagues to settle in. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, being stuck, quote unquote, at the four or five or five or level for six months should not be alarming by any means. But I think there are three primary steps uh, to take. Maybe this can be a framework you can use moving forward. Uh, and these three steps are self-assessment and then find the solution or solutions and then consistent practice of the solution. And so the first one is self-assessment. Extremely important. I mean, I recently talked to Paul Anacone, who's coach Roger Federer, Pete Sampras, Tim Henneman, Sloan Stevens, etc. And he said that you've got to self-assess your game and construct points to get the most out of your strengths and pit them against your opponent's weaknesses. So you've got to examine at this stage, how are you winning your matches and is there also an area of your game that is losing you these matches? So, of course, it's tough to give you a specific answer, Ed, like to work on, say, your serve, which often gives a high ROI anyway, or your strategy or whatnot without really knowing more about you. But you should definitely start with assessing your own game. Uh, and then once you find that, you know, the problem area and also the areas that are winning you uh, the most points, since you want to uh, find a 
solution. So find a coach or a trusted source of information. And, you know, you mentioned that there aren't any suitable coaches near you. So in that case, I mean, you'll have to go to an online type of content to to learn from, whether that's something like the upcoming tennis summit uh, starting on April 19th, uh, obvious plug here, myself or another coach who you think has great high quality content. So, you know, go online and do some research and figure out which coach or which platform uh, will mesh well with your, you know, your learning style. And yeah, that's a great thing about the summit because there's going to be over 40 coaches on there, which is crazy, but uh, I'll continue with your question. So then you want to pinpoint the first area of your game that will give you the biggest return on investment and then find the solution to that issue. So once you pinpoint that area that'll give you the highest ROI, on, uh, then you want to consistently practice that solution until you make it second nature in your game. So schedule time in your calendar to practice this particular area of your game. I highly encourage you to make it the same days and times each week to build a routine uh, and a habit of practicing this skill and block time in your calendar. Write it in your Google calendar or write it in your physical calendar and then commit to the practice here and have the mindset of long-term development because improvements don't come quickly. It takes time. Uh, usually it takes longer to, to move up the higher of a level that you are. So I think that's, that's pretty much the system here. You self-assess, figure out what you need to work on that'll give you the biggest gains. Then you find a source that will give you the solution and you learn that solution and then you consistently practice that solution until it becomes a part of your game. So I wish you luck, Ed, and you know, don't be in a huge rush to move up to the 5-5 five five level here. Enjoy that level that you're at now. I'll get some wins under your belt, but also work on your game with the goal that it sounds you have getting even higher uh, up the chain of the levels. Okay, so Kristen, a 2.5 player. Kristen says that she needs to work on consistency the most and she can hit it, hit the ball really well, but then she'll all of a sudden have a string of hitting the ball out or in the net. So she wants to become more consistent. So uh, I have a few pieces of advice here. The first is to pick bigger targets. So a great thing to do on your ground strokes, for example, is to pick a target between the service line and a few feet from the baseline. So uh, it, when, when you immediately pick targets, that's going to that's gonna radically change how you're playing and your consistency. And then you want to aim higher over the net because that'll give you better net clearance. You mentioned that you, you get a string of hitting out or in the net. So that's, uh, again, an aiming tactic here, if you will. And then I would also pay attention to your racket face when you're missing your shots and take note of where your shots are landing uh, when you miss and then the angle of your racket face. So what I mean by this is if you're hitting the ball too long uh, out of the court, then often you'll find that you would want to close your racket face to get more topspin on the ball. So you're your racket face might actually be a bit too open. So then you can adjust by closing the racket face and that'll produce more spin and provided you have the proper technique and it'll help you hit the ball in. 
And then conversely, if you're just simply hitting the ball too short or in the net, as you mentioned, then your racket face may be too closed, or you can try to aim higher once again, or open up the face of the racket a bit more. So I'm I'm a huge fan of topspin. I use a lot of topspin, especially on my forehand, uh, my second serve, of course. And so topspin, I just love it because it really helps you get a feel for the ball and it helps you control where the ball is going, including the height and uh, the length and everything uh, and how much the ball will jump off of the court. So if you can master topspin and the one of the easiest drills is to just go uh, stand near the net a few feet behind it and then just practice that that low to high swing path by brushing your racket strings uh, and face like uh, up to the top of the net. Hopefully that visual makes sense there. But um, yeah, that that's that's what you should do. I think uh, mastering topspin will really help you a lot with your consistency. And also you do want to focus on your footwork. So focus on getting into a balanced position and make sure that your footwork intensity is there and that'll help you with your consistency as well. Because I personally find that a lot of times when I just simply ramp up my, my footwork intensity a ton, then that really helps my consistency a lot. So I hope that these tips help with your consistency uh, issue that you're trying to tackle, Kristen. So again, pick bigger targets. Aim higher over the net. Pay attention to your racket face when you miss your shots. Work on mastering topspin and focus on getting into balanced position with intense footwork. So a question from Stan. Stan says, right now I struggle with first serve power and second serve consistency. So this is a great topic. Uh, The serve is obviously one of the if if not the most important stroke in the game. And I, I particularly pay attention to these, you know, serve advice when I get it, especially from experts like Dr. Mark Kovacs and Rick Macy. They've had some wonderful things to say on the technical side, especially. So first off, I would advise you to work on your placement more than your power because the placement at the end of the day is the one that's really going to help you set up the point on how you want to how you want to work it where you want to have your opponent on the court and what what shots you want them to hit whether you want them to hit a backhand or a stretched out wide forehand or uh to jam them uh so really work on placing your out wide and your T serves especially but that being said, you know, the placement advice trumping the power. I want to give you some advice on or some more advice on your question. So let's go with the first of power first. So here's some very useful checkpoints. I actually talked with with Mark, Dr. Kovacs, last week, and he had mentioned explicitly that the most important phase of the serve, in his opinion, which I totally agree on based on experience and watching others is the loading phase. And so with that, uh, there are a couple of things you really want to work on. Uh, the first is the unit turn, making sure that your hips first, your hips and then your shoulder turn uh, leads your unit turn, not your arms. That's a huge thing that a lot of amateur players do. They initiate the, the motion with their arms where you really want to have it be your hip turn that is doing that. 
And then you want to really pay attention to the loading of the back foot. You want to get, uh, according to Dr. Mark Kovacs, at least 60% of the weight on your back foot. So 60 on the back, 40 on the front, and even more on the back is fine. And you can do this with a super simple drill, or at least train this by just standing on the back foot only and serving, and that'll teach you to, to load the back foot, obviously. <laughs> and so that's the first part, uh, the loading phase, and, and pay attention to the unit turn and the back foot loading. And then the second uh, checkpoint would be the toss. So what you can do with your first serve, especially uh, specifically, is to toss more into the court because I think a lot of players, they're not able to get that power. And uh, I'm trying to remember who it was that I talked to very recently, but they, uh, this is a professional player, but they mentioned that they noticed they were actually not landing in the court at all on their first serves. And the way that they, they fixed this was by uh, tossing the ball farther into the court. Uh, oh, actually, I was actually I'm scrolling in, in the episodes that I've done. It was Nathan Pasha, who's a, a highly ranked doubles player. And uh, what he did was that that toss further in the court added a bunch of miles per hour. The next piece of uh, advice or the next checkpoint is to sink the racket drop with the pushing up of the legs. This is a, a classic and great piece of advice from Rick Macy coach of uh, Venus and Serena Williams uh, previously and, and erotic and many other uh, number ones. And, and yeah, so a, a lot of players, especially club players, I, I did this before as well is they drop the racket or they, the racket drop occurs too early. Uh, and then that way you, you lose a lot of power. You want to sink it, the, the racket drop with the pushing up of the legs. So uh, have that as a checkpoint and, uh, videotape yourself and check out if, if that's syncing properly. And then you also want to make sure to stay loose and relaxed. There are a lot of players who are just too tight on the serve and staying relaxed, maybe just like wiggling your, your arms just for a, a second or two will help you stay loose and relaxed and get you that first serve power. All right. Second serve advice. Uh, first, I would highly advise you to Work on your topspin serve if you're looking for that second serve consistency. Uh, and you can do that. First off, you, you do want to implement the same advice that I mentioned about the unit turn, the back leg loading, and the sinking of the racket drop uh, to the legs pushing up. But some other second serve specific advice is to toss behind you and to the left, like around 11 o'clock. Uh, that'll help you produce more topspin and to to let the ball drop a bit as well before you strike the ball to to help you hit that um you know that use the proper racket path to produce the top spin and then a big key tip here is to stay sideways longer and when you do that that'll ensure uh, obviously the opposite doesn't happen which is opening up and that's another problem that I've gradually figured out was I was wondering why I wasn't able to produce topspin on my second serve, and it was because I was just opening up too early. So then I was naturally kind of imparting the slice rather than uh, topspin. Uh, another one is to to really work on getting that net height clearance. And one drill I like to do for this is to actually just get on my knees 
and then uh, to to serve there. And you you naturally are forced to really hit a, a high arcing serve uh, so that it goes over the net. You know, you being on your knees. So then you can apply that same swing path to your normal serve, and that'll help you a lot to get that uh, that net clearance. So if you can get good control of, of the topspin serve, then you should be making your second serve, uh, you know, nine out of 10 times, I think. So yeah, just do that. So uh, <laughs> do that. But um, of course, so I would work on your second serve first on the placement and consistency, and then work on your first serve after that. Okay. I hope that that helped you and that does help you in the future with your, your question, Stan. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So we have an, a question from unknown 3.5 player and they want this, this person wants to know the best way to return a lefty player's slice serve to the backhand in the ad court in doubles. And this person is a right-handed player. So this is definitely, you know, the toughest return uh, for a lot of players, especially it being doubles. I mean, singles is one thing where, you know, they, they slice to your, to your backhand on the ad side and like you can slice it back or you can just hit it wherever and just get it in the court. But when you're playing doubles, you really need to make sure that you're placing the return well. So like I said, I face this a lot and it's definitely one of the most annoying matchups, but uh, here are some solutions. So first off, I, I actually like to vary my where I stand for the return. And in this case, I like to stand wider than normal. So I'm, I'm standing on the sideline or much closer to, to, you know, to the single sideline or, or maybe even wider, which does a couple of things. First, it gives the server a different look and a smaller target out wide for them to the backhand. So that can make them miss. And then it also tempts them to then serve down the tee. So you don't have to face this slice serve from the lefty out wide to your backhand. So I, I like doing that a lot because I love hitting my forehand. So I'll stand to the left quite a bit and they'll uh, serve to the T and then I can kind of anticipate it a bit. So then I'm naturally going to push off to that side and I'm, I'm comfortable hitting an outstretched forehand. So that works out really well. And then also, uh, if you can't get a forehand, uh, you need to have an aggressive mindset on the return. Because like I said, if you are going to float this ball back or whatever, then you're, you're really screwed. I mean, because the net player is going to pick you off most of the time, uh, especially at, you know, at the higher levels. So you need to have an aggressive mindset. You need to have that short backswing, move to the ball with good footwork intensity. 
and then step in if you can and swing freely and just pick generally you want to pick a cross court target unless you feel that the net player is going to cross so i mean you can test them sometimes uh or if if like i said if you think that they're going to move on your your wide backhand return then go down the line and i used to be tentative on the backhand return on the ad side and that just didn't work out so i just had to have that aggressive mindset again just uh just step in and swing and swing for it and don't hold back your swing produce uh um you know the, the highest swing speed you can and and finish your stroke and you know to this point and this solution you need to practice your serve and returns with your partner have them uh you know even if it's a kick out wide uh, if they're a righty it's still going to help you anyway uh even though it's a slightly different ball so people really like all they end up practicing is just ground strokes and cross courts and things like that but you you really want to get that serve and return practice in so also examine your footwork and your technique uh it would be great to record your returns and examine what you're doing maybe there's footwork inefficiencies maybe there's technical issues maybe you're not finishing your swing maybe you're not getting under the ball enough and and it's too flat. It could be a host of different things that could be causing additional problems against the lefty serve out wide. Another solution, if if you just are facing a devastating slice serve out wide, I I recommend you play two back. So put less pressure on your partner because like I mentioned with the net player, if they're able to pick it off and they just hit your partner's feet when they're at the net uh, that that's tough but you can adjust by playing two back less pressure and then either of you can scramble to get the the volley that uh, that the opposite net player might be hitting off your return another way is to and I, I know I said not to dink the ball back or whatever but you could try to lob the returner or I'm sorry you could hit a return lob on occasion and, and that can potentially work out in your favor. So definitely don't rule that out. So that's a good one. I remember at a sectionals tournament, the our opponents, they kept lobbing my partner, Victor, who was serving volleying and actually tired him out to just keep having to backpedal. So that's, it's a, you know, definitely a decent tactic. So I hope that helped. Uh, unknown 3-5 player, you know, vary your stance, have an aggressive mindset on the return. Practice your returns, examine your footwork and technique on video, play two back, and try the lob. All right, so we have a question from Kushal, a 4-0 player, and Kushal says, I get frustrated if I lose one point in the game. I always want to win every point. So I know that, you know, you see Nadal trying his best for every single point and you want that attitude, but you don't want to have that attitude necessarily of that you should be winning every point. Yet you can want to win every point, that's fine, but your standards, Kushal, are higher than the best players in the world. And let me explain. So I've spoken to some some statistics gurus and and whiz kids or whiz people, I guess, uh, including Craig O'Shaughnessy. And Fabrice Barrow recently, who's examined over a million points on the ATP uh, tour, and I think maybe the WTA as well. But, anyways, uh, a million points is good enough. And so, what they found is that 
Novak Djokovic, the number one player in the world, wins 54% of the total points that he has played. And let that sink in 54%. I mean, that is a lot of losing. <laughs> 46% times the number of points that he's played. Can you, can you imagine how many points that, that is lost? So by contrast, Richard Gasquet, I hope that you like my French pronunciation there, uh, wins 52% of the points he plays. So you see that, that gap there. I don't exactly remember what Gasquet is ranked. I don't think he's in the top 20 or 30, but I've got to check on that. But that just shows you the, the big difference that 1% or 2% more points one makes. But with these, you know, the point here that's being made is that we've got to realize that we're not perfect machines, that mistakes will happen. And there are many variables that could cause us to make mistakes also. The racket face could be very slightly off. Uh, we could be encountering a really good shot. Perhaps our footwork is a split second off, etc. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just get frustrated after losing a couple points. It's totally normal. And then also have an in-between point routine to reset and refocus, such as playing with your strings, feeling your feet on the ground, having positive affirmations, and taking deep breaths. So I hope that helped and just really emphasizes why it's totally fine, you know, if we lose over 40% of the points, uh, almost 50%, because we still have a shot of being an amazing player if we just win... <laughs> you know, 54% or even 52% of the points. So let's see. Another question, uh, Rob Aforo says, I need to lose weight and improve my movement. So I do not claim to be a, a nutrition expert or anything. I've interviewed some of them, but I don't know. You know, I'm not a huge expert, but uh, just some general advice for you. I mean, you've, you've got to experiment and figure out a meal plan that will work for you. I have friends that are meticulous about their meal prep and they'll prep their meals in advance, which uh, for obvious reasons is great and ensures that you don't overeat and things like that. And everybody's body is different, so they'll respond differently to different diets or, or meal plans. And then, of course, you want to stay 100% committed to it, you know, unless you have cheat days, which, you know, that that's fine. And I think that's something that works really well is to give yourself a reward for staying consistent with your food intake. Uh, you know, maybe it's a trip to a tournament, whatever you can travel again, or it's a new racket or new shoes that would, that would really help a lot. Just generally speaking with uh, nailing down habits because food will be the most important in terms of losing the weight more so than even your, uh, your training. And then with your approving movement question, I think you should check out my simple speed workout routine because that's going to help your movement quite a bit. So just Check that out on YouTube, or I'll, I'll actually I'll leave a link on the show notes uh, page, which is uh, pretty apparent uh, if you click the episode in this app for this one. And as you lose weight, your your movement will naturally improve, provided that you're that you're still training your movement. And you also do want to perform unilateral single leg exercises. I guess unilateral means uh, one leg, uh, so most of the weight is on one leg. And you can check out my simple leg workout routine for that. So uh, I hope that generally this, this advice helped you uh, get started with uh, losing weight and improving your movement. So one more question for this episode is from Kathy, a 3.0 player. And she says that her second serve gives her the most trouble 
She's having decent success with the first serve, but is only about 50% uh, success rate on, on good days. And she also gets too mental when she can't hold serves and it affects her whole game. So as I think I mentioned before, I would say that you should focus on your second serve consistency and placement. This will cut down on the double faults and help you set up the point by dictating where your opponent ends up for the return and what shots they're hitting, especially if, you know, they have a weak backhand, you know, as long as you have good placement, you don't need to hit the ball hundred miles per hour to have a great success uh, in the points and set yourself up. Then also examine your serve technique and implement the advice that I mentioned earlier regarding Stan's question. And as far as letting uh, your serve, unsuccessful serve games affect your whole game, Instead of letting this happen, you really need to just go back to that game plan and focus on it. Of course, you need to have created the game plan, so make sure you do that based on your strengths and your opponent's weaknesses. And then put your full focus on constructing the points in a way that will give you the maximum advantage possible. And you do also want to reset yourself during the points, or I'm sorry, uh, between the points using the physical cues, like playing with your strings and feeling your feet on the ground, taking a deep breath and so forth. All right. So I think those are all the questions I'm going to cover for today. Uh, I really hope that you enjoyed the, uh, the questions and the answers and that they help your game. And as always, choose one of them and implement that piece of advice uh, over and over again, and hopefully it'll improve your game. So I'll leave you with a quote, as I often love to do at the end of the show, and this one is by Anais Nin, and apologies if I pronounce the name incorrectly, and the quote is, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Very beautiful quote there. So also, I just want to encourage you to subscribe to the Tennis Files podcast if you haven't yet. It's just a really easy way to ensure that you get all the episodes downloaded to your podcast app of choice uh, so that like a few seconds probably after I publish these podcast episodes, they'll pop up in your app so that you don't have to go and then individually click around to find the podcast and the episodes. All right. Well, that is all for today. I feel some indigestion here with the, with the food I had for dinner. But that's all good. Uh, yeah, it's just totally random, I know. But yeah, I've, I actually got out and hit a couple of days ago. Really enjoyed it. Tested some DM balls. Uh, they're not a sponsor or anything. Felt pretty good. I really enjoy getting out there to hit, you know, with what's going on these days. You, you kind of take it for granted. So there's a lot of things that we're missing that, you know, even just going out and, and walking and, and, walking by sh- by shops uh, even if we're not going in there just uh you just go wow this is really enjoyable and i missed it so hope you all are getting to play more tennis i know certain parts of the country you get to play more than others uh, some of my audience who i've emailed they, they said down south they're getting to play a lot and it makes sense because it's nice and warm there and the warmth is getting up uh you know there's more warmth coming down the pike here so i'm excited for it So anyways, enough randomness. I will leave you to your day and I really do appreciate you listening and for the support and definitely look out for Tennis Summit 2021. We had 14,000 people attend 
last year, and we're looking to boost it up even more this year, over 40 top coaches and experts, and it's going to be amazing, a lot more live sessions than ever before, and Q&As, and uh, to get updated on when registration opens, just go to tennisfiles.com, that's T-E-N-N-I-S-F-I-L-E-S.com, and then just sign up for my newsletter, the very, very short form is right there. Just fill in your email and your first name and you'll be good to go. And I'll keep you updated on the summit and the podcast and everything else. All right. Have a great one. This is Mirabon Aranshad signing off and I'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.